broaden our minds. Lawrence. From the Ancient One Studio, this is the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. Welcome to the Cube. <laughs> well, hello everyone and welcome to episode 111 of the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. I am your host, Dan. And I'm Brendan. Brendan, one of your... Most anticipated battle tomes is finally here, my friend. Yeah, we've got Ogre Maw Tribes to talk about, and we are going to do some guesswork on what the 2023 battle tome roadmap is going to be. Yeah. We got a bit of a preview with that at the Warhammer Open Final. There's a lot of books. <laughs> so <laughs> sweet, man. There's a lot of books we're going to be able to yeah. talk about. It's really nice to know that we have roughly a third of our shows next year accounted for. <laughs> Yeah, so for sure. Yeah, plus events, plus you know other things coming out. We're in really good shape, and we're very thankful for that, for sure. Happy New Year, man. <laughs> Soon. Yes. I think that's about it for the show. We're going to get through this Ogre book. There's a lot of cool stuff in here, and a lot of... It'll be a very familiar battle tome for those who already know the Ogre Maw Tribes book. Yeah overarching, you know, 10,000-foot summary is it's very similar, and the stuff that needed tweaking to make it more effective, you got what you need. Okay. For the most part. Perfect. All right, with that, we are going to move into Whispers from the Warp. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Okay, buddy, what about paintbrushes and glue? What do we got going? Anything for you? I... Started building my Slaves to Darkness box. Okay. Started working on one of the units of Theradons. And I built my first Storm Fiend for my... Oh, yeah. I saw that picture on Twitter. That was just sweet. And two giant boxes of plastic. Yeah, a lot of stuff on Sprue. (laughs) Scheming. A lot of Clan Rats, a lot of Plague Monks. So, you know, we'll see, right? I got to decide what I'm going to play, but, Mm. you know, it's hard to go wrong with Storm Fiends. Sure. That's the starting point for me. Cool. That's really been it. I haven't put paint on anything in in so long. Yeah. You have not only been using Twitter, you've been (laughs) posting things on it. Yes. So I thought about how... I've always talked about my hobby, but I've never really posted pictures. And so this is just a great way to at least show people what I've been talking about on the show. I've gotten some really good responses. And I'm just going to keep doing it as I make progress. You know, so hobby progress, I just finished a, my first unit of Tree Revs, which turned out pretty well. I'm really happy about the mix of colors and the combination of contrast and dry brushing. My base coat was all contrast which for me is very different Mm -hmm. but it worked out really nicely and i ended up using some contrast medium to thin out one of the colors that i have because i'm using all army painter contrast paints i'm thinking what i'm going to do with each unit of tree revs is do a little different dilution or mixing so the brown that i get is a little bit different for the wooden parts of their bodies just to have something unique for each little unit of five that was cool and then i just finished durthu's base today so i'll be posting that picture today probably or tomorrow that was a neat project just because i wanted to use as i always do some weird little things that i had found 
when I do basing, but I, I think it looks pretty sharp. And so that's my two projects really. And my next thing is going to be working on another unit of tree revs and getting those knocked out now that I have the color scheme and everything else. So yeah, that's been my slow but steady progress because I don't need to have these guys painted as always, I got my ghosts in reserve if I need them for an event or anything. But I'm hoping to have my Sylvaneth ready by spring so as events start coming up, I can throw them down on the table. Let's talk about releases first, and then we'll talk about pre-orders. We have three different Heresy upgrades, Legion upgrades. We got Thousand Suns, Iron Hands, and Night Lords have all come out, which look very cool. We have the Warcry Jade Obelisk Warband. I think is there. And then the Necromunda folks have a scenario, which is Goliath versus Escher, which are the original box where the two gangs that kind of went at each other. So that's kind of an additional thing. But not a whole lot of releases. There were a lot of preview stuff, of course. On the 40K side for previews, we saw that there are going to be three new campaign books. We saw the World Eaters Codex comes out pretty cool. Yeah, that, I mean, you might have some interest in that just from the lore perspective. I think if I'm gonna jump back into 40k for any amount, it's gonna be with that guard book. Oh, okay, yeah, Coolio. I guess your world eater thing is then just heresy. Right? Yeah, it's really just okay. heresy. All right, Coolio. And then we have all the crazy stuff pre-orders for Sigmar. We have seven Battle Force boxes that are up for pre-order. So it's Cruel Boys, Ghosts, Stormcast Daughters. There's a Squig box. There's a box for Skaven, which is mostly clam rats. I think there's a unit of storm vermin some and some plague monks in there. Yep, and some other things, but mostly little guys. And then trees got uh, a box as well. We have all of the slaves to darkness cultists are up for pre-order. So all whatever it is, eleven or twelve of them. There's this insane number, but those are all ready to go. Yeah, if you the, need them, they got them. Yep, the Slaves to Darkness Beasts, you know, the Furies and the other crazy things. The Myrmidon Champion, the Cursling, and the Enlightener now are all pre-orders, individual models, if you want them. All that stuff came out. Very exciting, very cool. If you're into any of those things, jump on in. And that's it, I think, yeah. for pre-orders and releases. Games played. Anything for you other than... Well, you said you had a board game night. Yeah, so after Thanksgiving, the cousins came over the next day, and we ordered pizza and played board games. Cool. So we got some dice thrown in. We played some Ticket to Ride. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. Played some Mario Party. Evening, and then you have here Formula D. Yeah. And Which is really crazy because, you know, I got Formula D. I ordered it so we could play it. Okay. Give it a shot, and I think... I think you'll enjoy it. But the box was here, and all of a sudden, this past week, Cindy was like, hey, you want to play a game of Formula D? I'm like, excuse me. I would love to. Yeah, that'd be great. (laughs) We dived in, and she actually almost won the first game. It was really fun. We kind of did a practice lap to give her the rules, you know, give her that learning curve piece. And then we rolled some dice and moved our cars, and that was really cool. So it's a lot of fun to be able to open it up and spread it out here on the dining table in the studio, as it were, and uh, play the game. Quote, Yeah. Yeah. So that was really fun. I thought we might get to a couple of other games because we had friends over last night, but we never did. That didn't work out, but it was really fun to (laughs) actually play Formula D with her. So this is where we also talk about video games, right? Yeah, absolutely. So there's Steam sales and Black Friday sales for video games. You know, video games come out real cheap. Yes. I was flipping through my Xbox yesterday, just looking to see what there is, and... I got the Formula One 22 oh. EA race game. Oh. And Dan, let me tell you, I'm real bad. I am horrible <laughs> at this game. 
So I did the first race under... It's so unusual to hear you say that about anything you do. <laughs> I'm miserably bad at the racing component of it. So I originally had it all set up for just like standard normal difficulty, you know, like with just like your regular assist things on. I'm not looking to practice my Formula One driving skills. Like right. I'm under no illusions and I'm all over the track and like I can't go fast enough. And I get through the first like, you know, couple of practice sessions you know, leading up to the first race. I was like, I got to take the difficulty down. I was like, this is like through the towel. Like I'm getting upset. How hard. Frustrating. Yeah. I took the difficulty down and you know, turned on all of the different assist mechanisms, okay. and now it's too easy. Okay. Like, the AI just, like, lets you win. And that's upsetting in a very different direction, because, like, sure. the first race, I was like, okay, I'm not so bad at this, like, that I can't even do anything on the lowest setting. <laughs> and then I do the second race, I run through everything, I do the second race, and, like, there's basically, I took damage off, like, I'm using other cars, basically, as guide rails to get me around corners. <laughs> <laughs> I think what I would prefer, and I found the version this morning within the game that lets you do it, where you manage the team and you manage the facility, you're also a driver. I plan on just auto-simming through basically oh. all of the driving parts for right now with the management of the team, the constructing oh. of the vehicle. Sure. That stuff is way more interesting to me. Sure. So we'll see how that goes. So I got this game. I'm garbage at it. But on the beginner setting... I'm going to have to take some of the assist things off to make it more competitive and interesting because like as sure. much as I just love running around the track and running into stuff, it just feels like the game is handing you wins oh. and stuff like that. And okay. that really sucks. Sure. Good. Well, that's cool. Yeah. You're giving something to try. Something, something different. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see how long it takes before I get fed up and <laughs> <laughs> turn it back Crash. to beginner, beginner setting. <laughs> Anything else for games like that? Games like that, no. I did get a Sigmar game in oh. on Friday. Okay. Friday I was down at my parents, and that's in the vicinity of Kyle from Pants Mafia. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. So him and I met Frank up at Kyle. Grognard Games, and we got a game in, and I was playing against his Fire Slayers. Oh, yeah. And I cracked out the new Slaves of Darkness book. Oh, yeah. And, uh, boy, Dan, let me tell you, that's going to be a fun book review. Okay. There is some stuff in there that the combinations, if you are... One of those players who loves like the Rube Goldberg machine of oh. getting everything to do things the right way and trying to bring the power level on stuff up to 11. And if you can get it all to line up, it's crazy. And, you know, obviously, Slave of Darkness, you can pull in from the other marked books oh, yeah. as well to, sure. to really try and amp things up to, to, crazy, to 11, crazy. to 12, yeah. to 13. That's some cool stuff. I played a Knights of the Empty Throne list, which gives units that have mount run and charge. Oh, sure. I ran a block of 15 knights. Oh, that worked out, obviously. It, it worked, yeah. <laughs> Trying to explain some of it now is, you know, kind of ridiculous because we're not going to... There's no context. Yeah, there's no context. I got a practice game in the week before, Austin. He's looking to get ready for LVO, so I cracked out the new Ogre book. Yeah. I basically took the modifications I needed to make for my fall Rubicon list mm -hmm. and ran it into his Nurgle, and I'll tell you, Mottrides. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Yeah. We'll, and we'll find out very soon about that. Yeah. Again, the specifics of it, you know, won't make sense if you haven't read the book, but that's what, you know, we're going to talk about here today. So yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Gotten a couple of games in and. Perfect. Wow. That Slaves of Darkness book, Dan. Good. It, I'm glad to hear it. That is maybe the most interesting 3.0 book that they've written. Wow. That's a lot from you. Man. I won't say it's the most competitive, but I think it's the most compelling. Cool. 
can't wait to review it. I've already started looking through it, and my head's starting to spin. You and me both. And the possibility, like, like you are oh. going to see some really interesting and unique armies people play out of that Slaves of Darkness book. I'm sure someone will settle on, you know, what's best, but the wide range of players are everyone's going to be kind of playing what they think is interesting. Which is neat to have yeah. a book like that. So many people, so many ways. It's the book Stormcast deserves to be. An equal number of... War, War Scrolls. Scrolls. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a long one. Okay. Yeah, buckle up, everybody. <laughs> so I have not got any Sigmar stuff in. Events, we just want to remind everybody, most of you know already, but Adepticon registration is on January 8th, I believe it is. It's first week in January. If you haven't made those hotel reservations and stuff, probably time to get going on that. My Winter Free Con, which I went to last year down at Freeport, the historical thing, is in mid-January. But, oh man, there's a conflict. And I'm like... Mid-January, what kind of conflict is there? Well, they're holding the Warhammer swap meet. Remember you went oh, to that? Oh, yeah. They're having that again, and I've got so many things I wanted to take to that. I have a whole separate container now of you know primed models and stuff. I just boxes and everything. I was all ready to jump in, and now I'm like, oh, crap. Yeah, you got to so, pick now. So I got to choose now. Still, and again, mid-January? What else could there be going yeah, on? I've... Well, that's what it is. Yeah, I confirmed the date with that, and we'll see. We'll see what happens, but as we get closer. All right, so that's it for events and whispers and all that stuff. I think we're ready to move into Emperor Lives, my friend. Yes, sir. I mean, what are we, a team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. We're going to start out, Brendan, talking about basically the 2023 roadmap that we saw. And we're going to focus, obviously, on the Sigmar stuff that's coming out. We're not going to talk about slaves because that's really this year. We're going to talk about the fact, first of all, that we have confirmed that Beasts and Gits are the next two books, it looks like. Yep. Which is wonderful. Yeah. That is really, really cool. I'm anxious for the Beast book. I want to see that because I still have that crazy Ben-Hur list in my mind. Yeah, and I'm going to see it's all the time. how that will work with the new book if there's any significant changes. But that would be really fun. And I know I'm anxious to have our friend Nick back on the show with the Gets stuff as a guest. That'll be wonderful. But what we basically saw is that there are eight battle tomes in the pipeline, and five of them are in the spring. That's crazy, Brendan. <sighs> That is just crazy yeah. cray-cray. Putting so, the degree of difficulty up on Adepticon, oh. that's for sure. What we saw in the eight is we've got two order, two death, three chaos, and we know one of those is beasts, and we have one destruction, which we know one of those is kits. Mm -hmm. So we're left with two death, two chaos, and two order that, quote, we don't know what they are, but it's pretty obvious what some of them are. There's four of these that... Barring something real crazy, yes, we know, right? We would expect within reason yes. the two death books to be Flesh Eater Courts and Osiarch Bone Rapers in, yep. in some order. Yes. We would expect the two Chaos books to be Corn and Slanesh Absolutely. in some order. The two order books, I think, is where things get maybe a little bit interesting. Yeah. Sitting down and thinking about what order books don't have 3.0 Battle Tome, you've got... Caradron Overlords that jump, you know, right to the forefront. Yep. That is a book that is kind of in perpetual need of tweaking to get it into bounds with whatever the modern game state is, right? They fundamentally have so many unique rules that if anything changes slightly, they just, oops, yeah, they just suddenly don't work anymore. And that's very frustrating for a lot of reasons, and I imagine a lot of players the other one I'd expect for us to have a book is Seraphon. It's all but been confirmed that Cities of Sigmar is, is going to be going to the wayside with that new 
you know, Free Cities mm-hmm. reimagining project that they're doing. So right. getting a rewrite for that book, I don't think is in the future, but that's what my money's on. Okay. I don't know if you have any separate or different opinion. No, mine are exactly the same with Death and Chaos. I, again, I think those are just not that they're no, excuse me, no brainers because GW does some crazy things, as you said. But the Order ones, again, I was thinking about cities right away. And then I did think about the fact that they're kind of being pulled apart. And there's only two left. So really, those two are pretty intuitive. And again, it's just what order do we get them in? Although, you know, I think about the fact that Seraphon, like, they they do so well now. I don't know what that book will do. Will that book, you know, tone them down a little bit? It would probably be like Giants, where the emphasis will be bringing them more into line. And it'll probably do the other thing that Slaves of Darkness is doing, where it's going to make more units useful. Mm -hmm. That would be my estimation of what that book would look like. Yeah. For the sake of having the conversation being at least interesting, if they were to use one of these to introduce a new faction, what Grand Alliance and what do you think we'd mm-hmm. be getting? I think there's the possibility because there's, and again, you know, there's talk. What's talk worth? You know, <laughs> the whole Chaos Dwarf thing. I think that's, it's out there. Okay, sure. Yeah, technically yeah, out you there. Know, I I think this is a possibility I would like is on the order side, I would like to see, and I don't think we will, but this is just you know, wish listing thing. Sure. Because Tyrion is much more somebody that I enjoy than Teclas. And I would love to see... Oh, the revolt that people would have (laughs) for another elf book. (laughs) But I would like to see him incorporated and, you know, a few units incorporated with him into the Age of Sigmar. I'd like to see him come into it. We've also got Malekith that's sitting in there, and there's a lot more, I think... That's much more interesting. Yes. And I think that's much more viable in terms of something that they would integrate into the rules. Him as a character, and, you know, he obviously would fit very nicely with daughters. That would make sense somehow. I don't know how that would work. Or, you know, with this pull apart cities thing because there's dark elves there that's his thing so those are just a few thoughts you know crazy thoughts on where we might go how about you sure well with the strong desire that games workshop likes to put together a relatively new faction close to the end of their fiscal year in Mm. that may time frame to oh yeah bump up those numbers i don't think that you would be off base to say that you know like a malekith style book would appear in that territory i would say though that i would really like to see something a new faction for chaos appear only for the fact of like chaos is maybe from my perspective the only faction that really hasn't gotten a true like age of sigmar army Mm. You've gotten reimaginings like with the four gods. You know, they've gotten their mortals. They've got their demons, right? They have... You've got Archeonk has been brought over. Yeah, they have their units. The Slaves of Darkness stuff is really just Slaves of Darkness with the integration of more of like that kind of surf class. Mm Mm-hmm. Skaven has just been Skaven. Beast of Chaos has just been Beast of Chaos. They're the only Grand Alliance, from my perspective, that has not received a true, honest-to-goodness Age of Sigmar army. Mm-hmm. By that, I mean crazy, fantastical, you know, wild and weird and different. You know, you've got loads of them on the Order side, right? You, mm-hmm. know, you have boatloads mm-hmm. of Age of Sigmar armies in Order. Destruction, you know, they've got Cruel Boys, they've got Iron Jaws, they've got Giants. Truly mm-hmm. Age of Sigmar armies. Death got Osiarch Bone Reaper oh, yeah. as their new, new thing. You kind of have like a halfway there thing with Night Haunt, where, yes. but it was fleshed out to a whole faction. But Chaos is just 
the chaos mm-hmm. armies that you played in Warhammer Fantasy Battles. So that would be if you know you're sitting there and you're asking me, you know, what do we want? That's what I'd like to see. Now, okay. as a death player, I'd love another death faction. Of to course, collect. that'd be great. But for a moment, like I'm willing to step back and just be like, cool. If we just get updates to the books that need the help, mm-hmm. thrilled with that. Most of chaos is in a pretty good place. Mm-hmm. Heed knights need needs help. Slanesh needs help. Yeah, the new slaves book is gonna sort out. Slaves of Darkness. I had five dollars in my wallet. You know, I'd bet all of that right now. Sure. That's the new faction that I'd like to see. Okay. Cool. What it looks like? Maybe like a yeah. mutant faction, like, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Like super warp tainted or something like that. Yeah. You know, that'd be neat. There's a reason that they're professional creatives and. Right. Yeah, they've got a plan. They always have a plan. Somehow it always works out. Good. Well, thanks for that. And listeners, we hope that was helpful at least. In or at least interesting. Up. Yeah, or at least interesting. All right. Then with that, we are going to move on to our main topic, which is Ogre Maw Tribe Battle Tome. Okay, Brendan, let's get started with this Battle Tome. Why don't you start us off with Battle Traits, as usual? Overall, a lot of this is going to feel very, very familiar to you if you were an Ogre player. Mm. You know, We don't like to do lots of comparing to what things were and what things might be. No. I will say, though, you're not going to have to learn very much. Okay. And you're not going to have to forget much either. Okay. So the first up is Ravenous Brutes. If a friendly Ogre Maw Tribes unit is more than three inches from all enemy units, it's hungry. If the unit is within three inches of an enemy unit, it's eating. When you're hungry, you add two inches to the move characteristic of the unit, and if you are eating, you add two to the bravery characteristic of the unit. Army-wide, all your units that have the ogre keyword Mm -hmm. are good to go. Your Noblars don't get it, right? (laughs) Your Saber Tusks don't get it. That's fine. So the overwhelming majority of your army gets that. Awesome. One of the things that's new here is Gulping Bites. Yeah. At the end of the combat phase, you roll a dice for each enemy unit within three inches of any friendly Gutbusters Ogre units. On a four-up, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. Okay. Yeah, weird. Chances are you're going to forget it most of the time <laughs> in the same way that you're going to forget the Beast Claw Raider rule, yeah. which I always forget as well. Yeah. It's like that one Night Haunt rule that where you, if you do something to an enemy hero, you get the heal or something. Mm-hmm. People always forgot that as yeah. well. I remember Oops. that. Yep. Okay. Uh, and then next we have Mike Makes Right. So for the purpose of contesting objectives, each friendly Ogre Maw Tribe's Ogre unit, or Ogre, so that's model, mm-hmm. counts as two models. Each friendly Ogre Maw Tribe's hero that's not a monster counts as five, and each Ogre Maw Tribe's monster counts as ten. Cool. Yep. The change yep. there is that your heroes count as five. Which is fine. Yeah. All good. As long as they're not a monster. Yep. Trampling charge is an important change. So there's a very subtle change in this that's important to pay attention to. So after friendly ogre rhinox unit makes a charge move, you can pick one enemy unit within one inch of that unit and roll a number of dice equal to the unmodified charge roll for that charge move. Add one to each roll if the charging unit is an ogre unit that has three or more models. That's what's new. Add two to each roll if it's a monster. For each six up, that enemy unit suffers one mortal wound. Mm-hmm. So that means that you are more likely to do more damage even in your just regular units of ogres. Mm-hmm. Before, you really were only doing it on sixes because you had to have ten or more models mm-hmm. to get it to a four-up. And that was Pandelirium. Damn, that was crazy. Right. Too many models. I really like this. This brings it more into, into line. There's ways to improve this. There's ways to make this yes. better. That's pretty cool. But, I mean, that's a unit of, let's say, five gluttons yeah. that come in if they're they roll a seven on their charge roll 
hey, you know, they could have a five up. They could have some mortals. And that's nice. Yeah. It's great for these guys. I think it's a good, good change. Yeah. All right. So the last thing is grasp of the Everwinter. At the start of your hero phase, roll a dice for each enemy unit within three inches of any Beast Claw Raider units. If the roll is equal to or less than the number of the current battle round, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. Sure. Great. And then we have our monstrous rampages, our unique monstrous rampages. These are bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> These are so ridiculous. Okay. So, when you carry out a monstrous rampage, you can choose with the friendly Beast Claw Raiders monster to carry out one of the monstrous rampages below instead of any other monstrous rampages you can carry out with that unit. So this is in addition to the, all your normal your, stuff. Your base ones. Dan, which one would you like to talk about? Okay, I like the chill. I okay. think it's cool because it's more of a Thunder Tusk thing. Thunder Tusk unit that has made a charge move in the same phase can carry out this monstrous rampage. Roll a dice for each enemy unit within one inch of this unit on a three up. The strike last effect applies to that unit until the end of the following combat phase. Pretty Every sweet. unit within an inch, within right? an inch right. on a three up strikes last. Now you roll for each individual unit, but you could theoretically... Mm. Take your podunk little, you know, Thunder Tusk Beast Rider. On a fairly substantial base. <laughs> chuck them into the middle of a bunch of units. Right. Roll your three ups and just absolutely toast your opponent's plan to mm. do whatever. This, of course, occurs after you've done your impact hits on four ups. Yes, of course. Great Crazy. Monsters Rampage. Crazy. Fantastic. But Thunder Tusk who charges, it is limited in that, but you are going to want to include Thunder Tusks again. Mm-hmm. Maybe not in the exact same way, but the way the points work out, the way that you know this works, there is value in having them. Yeah. But Stonehorns. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you're so the, excited the for this. The monster truck of the Age of Sigmar universe. The unstoppable charge monstrous action. Only a Stonehorn unit that has made a charge move in the same phase can carry out this monstrous rampage. If you're not charging, what are you doing? Right. This unit makes a 3d6 inch move and can pass across enemy units in the same manner as a unit that can fly. It must finish the move within three inches of any enemy units. At the end of the move, roll a dice for each unit it passed across. On a two-up, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. Mm. This is so ridiculous. (laughs) It's super stomp. So you could theoretically blow through your opponent's screen. They've, you know, carefully, you know, screened everything out so that, like, you're not going to be able to pile in and fight. Nah, unstoppable charge. 3d6 move them forward maybe you fly over some stuff you do two ups you do d3 mortal wounds Mm. boom you're in you're good to go like wow if there's a mass of units nearby you can just kind of draw like a quick little circle around tag all the units that you moved across and and do mortal wounds that way sure this is ridiculous yeah go steal objectives like go move around the board a Uh, flying stone horn is essentially what this is yeah that's crazy flying out of phase stone horn (laughs) Because then you're going to get a three-inch pile in after you do this. Mm-hmm. You can do some real wild stuff with That's these battle That's really trains. cool. Dan, just absolutely absurd. All right. Yeah, uh, beyond comprehension. Like, okay. We've also decided, listeners, we're going to do is, and it makes sense for this book, we're going to do the goat, the Ghostbusters. I did not say that. Ghostbusters. <laughs> the Gutbusters stuff first and then we're going to do the beast claw stuff after that so we're going to go at this point into gutbuster heroes and then we'll come back as we usually do go through traits artifacts the lore and then we'll talk about maw tribes that apply to gutbusters as well yep we're going to head over to our first hero who is a gutbuster brandon why don't you talk about the big guy well kragnos is in this book well yeah that 
Not that big guy. Kragnos is unchanged again. I don't know how many times we've talked about Kragnos in the last like year. Kragnos is still the same. And we are not going to discuss his war scroll here. This is not it, what we're going to do. It's still very good. It's 3d6 inch charges. That's the most important thing. Yep. It synergizes with your charging really well because what it is, the ogre charge is based on the unmodified roll. Mm-hmm. 3d6 is not the modifier. It is just the charge roll. More dice. Crazy. Crazy. Tyrant. Um, yeah. So you've got the Ogre Tyrants. Six inch move, four up save, bravery eight, eight wounds. They are armed, you know, absolutely to the nines. He's got his Ogre Pistols, 12 inch range, two attacks, fours by threes, Ren one, damage D3. He's got his Thunder Mace, two inch range, three attacks, threes by threes, Ren two, damage three. And the Beast Skewer Glaive, two inch range, two attacks, threes by threes, Ren one, damage D3. He's got all of them. Mm-hmm. When you pick this unit to be part of your army, you can pick one of the following big names to apply to this unit, and you record this information on your army roster. Death Cheater, Ward of a 5-up. Nice. Brawler Guts, this unit's treated as a monster for the purpose of the trampling charge <laughs> battle trait. Jeez. Pretty good. Sweet. Fate Seeker, the unit has a save characteristic of a 3-up instead of a 4-up. Mm-hmm. Long Strider, this unit has a move characteristic of 8 instead of 6. Whatever. Giant Breaker, add one of the damage inflicted by its attacks made with this unit's weapons if the target's a monster. Not bad. Okay. And then Wall Crusher, improve the run characteristics of this unit's melee weapon by one if the target is in cover or in a garrison. Whatever. Uh, Okay, yeah. The Beast Skewer Glaive, if the unmodified hit roll for an attack with the glaive that targets a hero or monster is a six, has a damage characteristic of D6 (laughs) instead of D3. (laughs) Neat. Yep. Thunder Mace, if the unmodified hit roll for an attack made with a Thunder Mace is a 6, that attack causes one mortal wound to the target in addition to any damage it inflicts. The target unit has more than three models, that attack causes D3 mortal wounds instead of one. Yep. And then Bully of the First Degree, if a friendly Ogre Maw Tribes unit fails a battle shock test within three of any friendly units with this ability, only one model in that unit will flee. You now don't have to hurt your unit, but you do have to hang out next to them to be able to execute on this. I love the model. Model is so cool and just ah, very, very cool. Yeah, that new resculpt from back in 2019. Yeah, very nice. Right next up, we have a slaughter master, and I don't like this model. I don't know what it is, just the aesthetics are. I like the butcher much better than this model. All right, so the slaughter master, six inch move, seven wounds, five up save, eight bravery. He is a wizard, he is a one by one wizard, and he has a Noblar crew armed with stuff. His two profiles are stump blades, which is range of two inches, 2d6 attacks, three by three, minus one, one damage, and then the Noblar's weapons, one inch. Three attacks, five by fives, no Ren one damage. So the Great Cauldron, in your hero phase, you can say that this unit will reach into its cauldron and feast on the contents. If you do so, roll a dice and consult the table below. So on a one, the unit suffers one mortal wound. Eh, whatever. Two. Trogoth Guts, you can heal D3 wounds allocated to this unit. In addition, you can heal one wound allocated to each other friendly ogre unit wholly within 12 inches. Spine Marrow, pick one friendly ogre unit wholly within 12. Add one to wound rolls for attacks made with melee weapons by that unit until the start of your next hero phase. That's really nice. That's on a three and a four. So. Yeah, yep. yeah, you got a one out of three chance, right? Yeah. Bone Crusher, roll a dice for each enemy unit within six inches of this unit. On a two up, that unit suffers D3 mortals. Blood Gruel. Roll a dice each time this unit successfully casts or unbinds a spell. After the effects of that spell have been resolved on a two up, you can heal one wound. However, on a one, this unit suffers one mortal wound. And then finally, Rock Chomper is a spell that has a casting value of five and a range of 18. If successfully cast, pick one friendly Ogre Gluttons unit 
wholly within range and visible of the caster. <clears throat> Until the start of your next hero phase, rolls made for enemy units within three inches of the unit for the purposes of the gulping bite battle trait cause D6 mortal wounds on a four up instead of D3. It's kind yeah. of a weird spell. It's not the worst choice. Okay. Yeah, it's important. He also has the butcher keyword, so he mm-hmm. does have access to the lore, lore which, yep. you know, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Next up is the actual butcher. I like him. Six inch move, five up save, bravery eight, seven wounds. You either are armed with a tenderizer or a cleaver. Tenderizer is two inch range, three attacks, <laughs> threes by threes, rend one, damage three. And the cleaver is two inch range, three attacks, threes by twos, rend two, damage two. One cast, one unbind wizard. Blood gruel works the same as the slaughter master. Mm-hmm. And then Voracious Maw, not to be confused with Rock Chomper. No. <laughs> Casting value of a 7 and a range of 18. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within range and visible the caster. That unit suffers D3 mortal wounds, then roll a dice. On a 1 to 3, the Maw is satisfied and the sequence ends. On a 4 up, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. Keep rolling dice in this way until the Maw is satisfied and the, or the target is destroyed. That's fun. That's great. Loving that. Yeah. All good stuff. And then we have this guy is Our new. new hero. Yeah. Yes. The Blood Pelt Hunter. New model, everything. He is six inch move, eight wounds, five up save, eight bravery. He has two shooting attacks. The first is his Skull Shatter Crossbow, 18 inches, two attacks, four by threes, minus one D3 damage, and then an impaling spear that he can throw, 12 inches, one attack, four by twos, minus two D6 damage. He also has a Hacker Axe and Meat Blade, two inches, five attacks, three by three, minus one, two damage. Hidden Predator, this unit is not visible to enemy units while it's in cover. Unrelenting Hunter, at the end of your opponent's movement phase, if this unit is more than nine inches from all enemy units, it can make a normal move. That's pretty sweet. So when he's hungry, that's an eight-inch move. Yep. That's pretty cool. And then we have uh, Beast Breaker. If the target is a monster, the damage characteristics of a Skull Shatter Crossbow, which was D3, Uh, in the profile is three and the damage characteristic of the impaling spear is six so there we go that's a nice upgrade yeah very nice coolio and he is how much man he's not that much i don't think ice brow hunter right blood pelt hunter yeah 140 yeah not bad he could do some stuff all right the next is traits yep for the gutbuster heroes only there's a table of Five that you pick. You know, there's basically one for each of the kind of character, mm-hmm. and then one quote-unquote generic one. Dan, do you wanna? Yeah, I'll take my two. Sure. The first one is the Gastromancer that I like. This is for the Butcher only. This general knows all of the spells from the lore, in addition to any other spells it knows. Yeah. Lore isn't terrible, so that's not a bad thing. The other one I like for the Tyrant is Killer Reputation. Before this general is set up for the first time, you can pick an additional big name for them. The big name cannot be the same as their first big name. A couple of those were pretty decent, giving them a five-up mortal wound. Yeah, get, uh, a ward going, save. going to a five-up ward and then going to a three-up save in combination is pretty mean. Yeah. Or, you know, becoming a monster is, you know, one of those kind of, <laughs> you know, cheeky things. It sets up the only way for the charges to do impact hits on three-ups, mm-hmm. which is... Insane. Which is pretty neat. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. So I like that one for him. How about you? I actually like both the same ones. So I'll, I'll pick another one here as well to talk about the deadly aim. The to hit characteristics of the Blood Pelt Hunter is changed to a 2-up instead of a 4-up. 
that's pretty good. Yeah. I really like that at like a thousand points. You know, if you're going to be playing like doubles or a smaller game or mm, something like that, mm. where you can have this 140 point unit that really plays the role of an outsized damage dealer, mm-hmm. especially against a monster that your opponent potentially took. Yeah. You know, to go to twos and threes at damage three and damage six is wow. pretty powerful. Yeah. Is nice. So let's move over to artifacts. Mm-hmm. What did you pick for that? There's yeah. four of them. These are tough. Probably the splatter cleaver. You pick okay. one of the bearer's melee weapons. At the end of the combat phase, if any wounds were caused by attacks made with the weapon in that phase were allocated to an enemy unit, you're going to give this to a tyrant, realistically. Sure. You can heal D3 wounds allocated to each friendly ogre unit wholly within 12 inches of the bearer. Roll separately for each unit. That's including the bearer. So mm-hmm. um, The second cool. one is probably the gruesome trophy rack. You add one to hit rolls for attacks made by friendly gutbusters units yep. wholly within 12 to the bear that target a monster or a hero. So it's a niche situation. However, you're going to contribute an outsized result without, in this case, the cost of command points. Yes. Especially since you're probably going to be roared by that hero slash monster, you're going to be getting it for free. Yep. So I picked the gruesome trophy rack. I didn't see any value in the other ones. Okay. All right. So that's artifacts for gut busters. Yeah. Now the lore of gut magic. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Cut down to four spells. Mm-hmm. Honestly, that's totally fine. I'd rather have four spells that you see value in all of them rather than six where you just want two. Sure. So, Dan, what are you taking? I took Blood Feast first. It's a spell that has a casting value of seven and a range of 18. If successfully cast, pick one friendly ogre unit that's not a monster that's wholly within range of visible of a caster. Add one to the attacks characteristic of that unit's melee weapons until the start of your next hero phase. I like that. Uh, depending on you know how heavily you're into Iron Guts or Gluttons, things like that, that could really crank up their damage yeah. potential. And so I think that one's pretty nice. Greasy Deluge, I like this from before. I still like it. I think it's a, a really handy spell. Greasy Deluge is a spell that has a casting value of only 6 and a range of 18. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within range, visible to the caster. Subtract one from hit rolls for attacks made by that unit until the start of your next hero phase. Never a bad thing. How about you? I would go Blood Feast as well. Okay. That's quite good. The other one I would take is Blubber Grub Stench. It's straightforward when we get to the unit that it's for. Sure. The spell that has a casting value of 5 and a range of 18 inches if successfully cast until the start of your next hero phase. While they're wholly within range of the caster, friendly Rhinox units are treated as monsters for the purpose of the trampling charge, battle trait. Mm-hmm. What's a Rhinox? Iron Blasters are Rhinox. Yes. Also scrap launchers, but Iron Blasters. Contesting objectives and carrying out monsters rampage core rules. So that means that mm-hmm. they count as 10 because they are ogres. They would be monsters, so they count mm-hmm. as 10 for those. Yep. They do mortal wounds on four ups because, you know, that's what they do. What monsters do. Yeah. That's a pretty good spell because like I talked about at the top of the show, there are going to be things that you weren't taking before that you absolutely are going to be taking now. All right. Then that is it really for enhancements. Why don't we go over to Maw Tribes for Gutbusters? Because we have really three, right, that are applicable. Yep, for these guys. Yeah. So the first one is Meat Fist, and this one is Fleshy Stampede. Add one to each roll made for the Trambly Charge battle trait. Oh, God, that is so good, man. Mm-hmm. Sweetness, dude. But it's Very only nice. for Meat Fist Gustbuster. Oh, yep. Right, so you'd have to take that and, and lean into it, obviously. Yep. But still, I really like that one. Very, very cool. Then you've got the Blood Gullet Maw Tribe, friendly Blood Gullet Butchers, keyworded Butchers, not just the War Scroll, so the Slaughter Masters as well. 
No one extra spell from the lore of gut magic. In addition, mm-hmm. friendly blood gullet butchers can attempt to cast one extra spell in your hero phase. You go to two cast, one unbind, and knowing an extra spell, especially paired with the lore of gastromancy, is particularly mm-hmm. helpful. You could even throw arcane tome on there to be a three casting butcher. Wow. Hanging out next to the maw pot, giving you plus one to cast. That's pretty darn reliable <laughs> for like i think they're like 140 to 170 points it's a nice yeah. thing to have now granted you don't have a lot of unbinds you know coming mm-hmm. from that character but sure. you are going to get to make all of the casting rolls that your little heart desires great stuff the final one is underguts this is shrapnel powder this is for shooting mm-hmm. obviously improve the rank characteristic of missile weapons used by friendly Underguts Lead Belchers and Underguts Iron Blasters units by one. And yep. that will be important. When we get to the War Scroll, that will make boy perfect oh boy. sense. <laughs> Pretty crazy stuff. All right, so let's dive in to our War Scrolls. And would you like to do the Gluttons or the Iron Guts, man? I'll talk about the Gluttons. Okay. One of the two Gutbuster actual units, you know, the rest of the heroes that we've talked about to this point have been Gutbusters, but these are the only two Gutbuster units. And then, you know, so these are the units that the Gulping Bites are attributed to. Mm-hmm. I guess the Lead Belchers are also Gutbusters. Yeah, Lead mm-hmm. Belchers. Oh, and so are the... Iron Blaster. Crazy. On the Rhinox. Okay, never mind. I lied. The Ogre Gluttons, six inch move, five up save, bravery six, four wounds. You have to choose to either arm them with the Ogre Club slash Blunt Blade or the Paired Ogre Club and Blunt Blade. If you do that first line, you get an Iron Fist. So Ogre Club or Blunt Blade is a two inch range, three attacks, threes by threes, run one damage two. And if they're paired, it goes to four attacks, threes by threes, run one damage two. Mm-hmm. The champion gets plus one attack. Standard bearer adds plus one to bravery. You subtract one from wound rolls for attacks made with missile weapons that target if you chose to take any tribal banner bearers with lookout noblars. Mm-hmm. So you do have to pick between being a skull bearer or a lookout noblar. I'm probably taking the bravery. Then your musician, one in every six, can be a bellower. You add one to charge rolls for this unit if includes any bellowers. That is a modifier, so it doesn't count towards your impact hits. Yes. And then you have your iron fists. If this unit's armed with an iron fist, any unmodified save rolls for an attack with a melee weapon that target this unit is a six. The attacking unit suffers one mortal wound after all of its attacks have been resolved. Wow. Great. I'm giving the old strike back. Punch yeah. back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big daughter's a cane. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now we have Iron Guts. There's six inch move, four wounds, four up save, seven bravery, so a little better on save and bravery. They have one weapon, it's the Mighty Bashing weapon. So two inch range, three attacks, three by threes, minus two and three damage. So the champion adds one attack, the standard bearer, one in every four. This unit includes any rune maw bearers, which is a standard bearer. Each time this unit is affected by a spell or the abilities of an endless spell, you can roll a dice on a six, ignore the effects. That's okay. Yeah. On a six is something. The musician one in four, add one to charge rolls again. Down to the iron guts. Once per battle in the combat phase, after this unit has fought for the first time in that phase, you can say that they will unleash their ferocity. If they do so, you can fight for a second time with their damage three weapons. (laughs) And the strike last effect applies to this unit when they fight for the second time. Fine. It's really good. And then gut guard. Before you allocate a wound or mortal wound to a friendly tyrant, or instead of making a ward roll 
for a wound or mortal wound that would have allocated to the friendly tyrant. If that friendly tyrant is within three inches of this unit, you roll a dice. On a one or two, the mortal wound is allocated to the tyrant. On a three up, the wound or mortal wound is allocated to this unit of iron guts. Cool, bodyguard, nice. Mm Yeah, next up, man-eaters. Ooh, rawr. So technically not gut busters. Right. Six-inch move, five-up save, bravery seven, four wounds apiece. They are armed with pistols and throwing weapons, as well as slicers and bashers. They are elite, so they can issue commands themselves. Mm-hmm. The pistols and throwing weapons are 12-inch range, one attack, threes by threes, run one damage, D3. Slicers and bashers are two-inch range, four attacks, threes by threes, run one damage, two. And they have the rule, been there, done that. After deployment, you pick one ability to apply to this unit from the list until the rest of the battle. Brawlers, add one to wound rolls for attacks made with melee weapons by this unit. Pretty good. Crack shots, you increase the range of your throwing weapons by six inches to bring it to 18. Mm Mm-hmm. Striders, they can run and still charge. And Stubborn, they don't take battle shock tests. I'm probably taking Brawlers. Uh, a barrel of meat and the job's done. You can use this command ability at the start of the hero phase. The command can only be issued by your general and must be received by this unit. Until the end of the turn, each model in this unit counts as three models for the purposes of contesting objectives. Okay. Niche. Right. Kind of weird. Yeah. Gosh. In my mind, they don't serve a huge role. I think role. they're three in a unit. Yeah. They're three in a unit, and at 170 points... I guess you take them like when you can't take units of like full gluttons, but mm-hmm. when you look at like your cost comparison, for a hundred more points you get iron guts. Yeah, your damage three iron guts. I don't know. Better save, more models, more wounds. I just yeah, yeah I it seems a better choice. Man eaters seem kind of weird to me. Okay, why don't you talk about gorgers? Because you just used one in your yeah. Love this unit. Models garbage. Six inch move, six up save, bravery eight, six wounds. Also not a gut buster. They have long claws and distendable jaw. The long claws are two inch range, four attacks, threes by threes, no run damage two. And the distendable jaws, one inch range, one attack, threes by threes, run one damage D3. You're not taking them for their damage. You are taking them to eat basically... Unleash hells. Unleash hells. They're 80 points. Well spent, because they're ambushing hunters. During deployment, instead of setting up this unit on the battlefield, you can place it to one side and save it as an ambush as a reserve unit. If you do so at the end of your movement phase, you can set up this unit on the battlefield more than nine inches from all enemy units. Mm. You are no longer restricted to the end of the first movement phase, Mm. which is good. They are gruesome devourers if this unit is part of an Ogre Maw tribe's army and it is eating, so within three inches. Enemy units within nine inches of this unit cannot receive the inspiring presence or rally commands. Great. That's nice. He lost the built-in reroll charge, but oh well. Clear. All right. Lead belchers, Dan. Okay. Lead belchers. It's time to shoot some stuffs. Six-inch move, four wounds, five-up save, six bravery. We have a lead belcher gun, 18 inches, D3 attacks, four by threes, minus one, one damage. In and under then, guts, it's minus two. Yep. There you go. Minus two rend, yeah. Yeah. Bludgeoning blow is two-inch range, two attacks, three by threes, no rend, two damage. Champion adds one attack. Thunderous blast of hot metal. If this unit remains stationary in your movement phase, when this unit shoots in your following shooting phase, the attack's characteristic of the lead belcher gun is 2d3 instead of d3. Notably, that doesn't carry over to Unleash Hell. It's just in the shooting phase. Yep. Didn't you play a guy at... Yeah, I did. Dragonfall? At, who had a bunch of lead belchers. He had a yeah. bunch of iron blasters. Cool. That's so cool. It was good. The um, lead belchers and iron guts become battle line if the general's gut busters. These are your battle line choices. Okay. Now you've got your kind of, we'll call it, uh, miscellaneous category units. 
The first of which is a Ooh. unit that you are going to see a lot of, especially early on with the Ogre book, is the Iron Blaster. At 170 points, there's not much better value in this book right now. Mm-hmm. 7-inch movement, 4-up save, bravery 6, 9 wounds, Rhinox, so you can turn them into monsters with you know the blood or grub stench. When you shoot, you have to choose between which of the two shots you're going to be making and... At 7-inch move, if they're hungry, they're movement 9. One of these is going to be real obvious. <laughs> the cannonball, 30-inch range, 2 attacks, 4s by 2s, ren 2, damage D3 plus 3. Fine, respectable on its own. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the hail shot, 12-inch range. And so if you're adding the 9 inches from your movements, as long as you're within 21 inches of an enemy unit, you get to do this. 10 shots. That's just stupid. Oh, my God. 3s to hit, 3s to wound, ren 1. Which an underguts would go up to Ren 2. Yes. Damage 2. Ren 2, damage 2. 10 shots. That's if you take underguts, right? You know, well, still. But be- 170 points, you know, there's really no reason not to. Yeah. Again, you're going to lean into something that, yeah, you're going to do that. Then you've got your Rhinox charge. You add one to the damage inflicted by the attacks made with this unit's sharp horns if the unit made a charge move in the same turn. Mm-hmm. Cool. You'd go Blood or Grub Stench, you turn them into monsters. You throw in, you charge all these things in, they do their impact hits on four ups, you do a bunch of damage, you stand on the objective worth a bunch more. If they don't kill you, you're just going to shoot them in the next shooting phase. You're kind of daring and them just, to charge you. And just lay waste to your opponent. Yep. It's crazed. Yeah. I've got one iron blaster, and, you know, it's one of those things where you look at it and you go, well, if I had just been a maniac before and just owned three or four of these, then... I'd be in great shape. <laughs> yeah, but there are other things in this book that are also, you know, kind of worth that time. They are artillery, so you are limited to four of them, right? So... Oh, shoot. I can't take eight. Yeah, darn. But we do have one other piece of artillery, Dan, the Noblar Scrap Launcher. Oh, that's launcher. so much fun. Wonderful, wonderful. It is silly. Like <laughs> It is. <laughs> it's frustrating because it's 145 points, yeah. and it's so much worse than the Iron Blaster. Yes. By a lot. It's almost like a nostalgia piece they had to keep in the book or something mm-hmm. because of the Iron Blaster. But it has 7-inch move, 9 wounds, 4-up save, 5 bravery. Piles of old scrap, so 6 to 36-inch range for the attack. At the start of your shooting phase, you can pick one friendly Noblars unit wholly within 9 inches of this unit and roll 2d6. If the roll is less than the number of models in the Noblars unit, add 1 to hit rolls for attacks made with this unit's pile of scrap until the end of that phase. Fine, you're going to be shooting Noblars along with the other stuff. Yeah. 4 by 3 minus 1, 1 damage. And then you have the attacks of the Noblars and the attacks of the Rhinox. So the uh, Noblars, 1-inch range, 7 attacks, 5 by 5s, no range. End, one damage in the sharp horns, two inch range, two attacks, four by threes, minus one D3. Rhinox charge is the same as it is on the Iron Blaster. You have deadly rain of scrap. The attacks characteristic of a pile of old scrap is equal to the number of models in the target unit to a maximum of 20. Yeah, it's whatever. Yeah. Then last up here, we've got Noblars. So it's 20 models for 100 points. And this is actually a very useful unit, especially if you're going to be leaning Iron Blasters. This is a very useful and dangerous screen. Mm-hmm. There's a command trait that makes it so that Noblars, wholly within 18 inches, are immune to taking Battle Shock tests. The War Scroll itself isn't anything special. There's, you know, kind of a neat ability on here, but they're 5-inch move, 6-up save, bravery 4, 1 wound. Range attack of sharp stuff, 8-inch range, 1 attack, 4s by 5s, no rend damage 1. Motley assortment of weapons, 1-inch range, 1 attack, 5 by 5s, no rend damage 1. The champion adds 1 to the attack's characteristic. So they're not even, like, a super great unit to, like, try and find curse 
into the list to mm-hmm. you know junk out a bunch of extra mortal wounds. The nasty traps and tricks is the thing though that makes life a little bit miserable for your opponent. So each time an enemy unit finishes a move within six inches of any friendly units with this ability, roll a dice on a four up that unit suffers d3 mortal wounds. Now it's just move, it doesn't say normal move. It, so when you move, when you charge, when you pile in, this triggers. Mm-hmm. So if you charge and you get within your required distance, mm-hmm. you roll. And then when you pile in, you would roll again. Yep. And it's within six inches. So you there's this kind of larger bubble that you can cast with this that makes mm-hmm. it at least unpleasant. And for 100 points, it's good value. You're getting a screen that you normally wouldn't have. Points in the Ogre book can be kind of weird just because some stuff costs a lot of stuff. You don't have many things that don't cost much. Okay. So this could be seen as filler. All right, Coolio. But then the rest of, you know, here for the gut busters and the gluttons are really just, you've got a man-eater, you know, underworlds unit, and then we've got a hunter underworlds unit, so. Sure. Yeah, so we're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back and talk about... Here's to five miserable months on the wagon, and all the irreparable harm that it's caused me. Beast Claw Raiders, half of the book. We've got the Frost Lord on Stonehorn. So this is the monster section. Movement 12 down to 6. 3 up save, bravery 9, 15 wounds. So he got an upgrade in the wounds category. He's got the Frost Spear, 2-inch range, 4 attacks, 3s by 3s, Ren 1, damage 3. Punches and kicks, 1-inch range, 3 attacks, 3s by 3s, no Ren damage 1. Rock Hard Horns, 2-inch range. Six attacks down to three. Fours by threes, Ren two damage three. Crushing hooves, two inch range, D6 attacks. Threes by twos down to fours. Just so insane how many attacks this unit has. So many attacks. So many. Ren one, damage D3. Obviously the stone horn is the mount. Yeah. The bellowing voice, you had one to charge rolls for friendly Beast Claw Raider units wholly within 12 inches of this unit. You have a five up ward. You have <laughs> earth shattering charge. You had one to the damage inflicted by the attacks with the horns and the hooves. I always forget the hooves if this unit made a charge move in the same turn. So it bumps it up to damage four insane. and damage D3 plus one. Insane. And then he picked up a new rule, the frost spear. The unmodified wound roll for any attacks made with the frost spear that target an enemy hero or monster is a six. You subtract one from the attacks character so that unit's melee weapon. <laughs> minimum of one until the end of that phase. The same unit can only be affected by the ability once per phase. This is just insane. Just the potential. The damage potential is wild. It's pretty good. And it's so survivable with a three up, five up. Mm-hmm. Three up being very easily modifiable. Yes. Oh, it's, oh yeah, yeah. Man. They're good. Yeah. Very good. And they're, what, 400 points? You pay a steep price for... But, for it at 445 but you're getting your money's worth typically oh. yeah all right so now let's talk about the huskard on a stone horn and this is our priest so he is 12 inch move down to six 14 wounds four up save eight bravery has a harpoon launcher and a chain trap those are both ranged attacks the launcher is 20 inch range one attack four by threes minus one d3 the chain trap is 12 inches one attack four by threes no rend three damage He isn't very punchy, but that's not what he's there for. Punches and kicks are the same, right, as they are on the other... Yeah, they just wound on fours is the only difference. Yeah, one inch range, three attacks, three by fours, no rend, one damage, and the horns and the hooves are the same. Yep, identical. Earth-shattering charge, same thing. Add one to the damage inflicted by attacks made with the horns and hooves, if it made a charge move. Blood Vulture, so this thing has a little chip damage mechanic. 
Yeah, so you got to pick between the harpoon launcher, the chain trap, and the blood vulture. Yep. And when you read the blood vulture, I think it becomes pretty clear what you're doing. Right. If this unit is armed with a blood vulture at the start of your shooting phase, pick one enemy unit on the battlefield. Hello. <laughs> it's visible to this unit. Roll a dice on a two-up. That unit suffers a mortal wound. Oh, yeah. Sure. Pretty good. It's not Why a shooting not? attack, so you can still run and do this if you'd like. Yep. Given that your other two attacks are one attack apiece, hitting on fours, wounding on threes, just give me the two-up. Yep. Like, let, and a wound. Yeah. Because the harpoon launcher, you could end up with one wound anyway. And it's a wound. It's not a mortal you wound. You have to hit. You right. have to wound. Your yep. opponent gets a crack at a save. And then, yeah. in the case of the harpoon, you have to roll damage. Like, it's just... Yeah. I don't know. Give me the sure thing. Absolutely. It does, because it's on a stone horn, have a five-up ward. Reel him in. If an attack made with a chain trap scores a hit on an enemy monster, if that monster is not destroyed and is not already snagged, after that attack has been resolved, you can roll a dice on a four-up. That monster is snagged until the start of your next shooting phase. While a monster unit is snagged each time it makes a move, it must finish that move at least as close to the unit that snagged it as it was at the start of the move. Yeah. With the chain trap, it becomes a 25% chance to to resolve this. Mm-hmm. Right, You have to hit it, which is a 4-up, and then you have to do a 4-up after the fact. You have to be within 12 inches to do this. It potentially keeps something like a giant lassoed from mm. going the direction it wants to go. Right. And that's a very compelling option to take it. But you're basically sacrificing this monster in exchange for that flexibility on your opponent's side, which... Mm-hmm can be the right decision, but you're relying on a 25% chance right. at that moment. A winter's Endurance is a prayer. So this is your priest component here. Mm-hmm. Has an answer value of 3 and a range of 18. If answered, pick one friendly Beast Claw Raiders unit wholly within range of visible. You can heal D3 wounds allocated to that unit. That could be useful to heal up some of your big guys here. Absolutely. Winter Strength is a prayer that has a casting value. A casting value. A prayer value of 3 and a range of 18. If answered, pick one friendly Beast Claw Raiders unit wholly within range of visible. Until the start of your next hero phase, add 1 to wound rolls for... T- oh my god. That's really good. That's really good. Oh my gosh. To all the melee weapons. The Frost Lord on Stonehorn isn't already insane enough. And now he's wounding Plus on twos. Wounds. Oh my god, man. That is just nuts, nuts, nuts. Give him the business. All right. Next one is another Frost Lord. Yep. So, so you got the Frost Lord on Thunder Tusk. Eight inch move down to five. Thunder Tusks are slower. Mm-hmm. Rip save, bravery nine, 15 wounds. You have the Frost Wreath Ice as a shooting attack, Mm -hmm. 18-inch range. You do not use the attack sequence for an attack made with the Frost Wreath Ice. Instead, you pick one enemy unit within 18 inches of this unit and visible to it. Roll a number of dice equal to the Frost Wreath Ice value on the table, 12 down to 6. Add 1 to each roll if the target unit has 10 to 19 models. Add 2 to each roll if the target has 20 or more models. For each 6 up, that unit suffers one mortal wound. Okay. Yeah. From there, the Frost Spear is the same. The punches and kicks are the same as the Frost Sword on Stonehorn. Mm -hmm. Then you've got the Colossal Tusks, 2-inch range, 4 attacks, 3s by 2s down to 5s, Rend 1, damage D3, Bellowing Voice is the same, Frost Spear is the same, and then Numbing Chill, subtract 1 from hit rolls for attacks made with melee weapons that target this unit. Cool. Alright. And then we have Huskard Mm -hmm. on a Thunder Tusk. Ooh. I wonder what we got here. The move is again 8 inches down to 5, 14 wounds, 4 up save, 9 bravery. You have the harpoon launcher and the chain trap, which are the same. You have the frost ice, which is the same. Punches and kiss and kick. Kisses, Kisses. of course. (laughs) Okay, I'm keeping that in because that's just stupid. Punches and kicks are the same and colossal tusks are the same as with the other thunder tusk. 
Blast of Frost Wreath Ice is the same. Numb and Chill, Blood Vulture, all the rules are the same yep. here. The look across is actually pretty nice in that sense. So this is one of the reasons I like Monster Trucks, is if you get the grip on basically the two War Scrolls, <laughs> as long as you just know the versions between them, then you're in good shape. So there's a fifth hero, the Icebrow Hunter, mm-hmm. and that is a six-inch move, five-up save, bravery seven, seven wounds. They are armed with the Great Throwing Spear, Hunter's Club and the Crossbow. So the Throwing Spear is 9-inch range, 1 attack, 4s by 3s, Ren 1, damage D3. Crossbow, 12-inch range, 1 attack, 4s by 3s, no Ren, damage D3. Mm-hmm. And the Club, 2-inch range, 4 attacks, 3s by 3s, no Ren, damage 2. He has Icy Breath. In your shooting phase, you can say that this unit will attack with its Icy Breath instead of attacking with its missile weapons. If you do so, pick one enemy within 6 inches of the unit. Invisible, roll a dice. On a two-up, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. I quite like that, given that your two attacks are both fours by threes. Mm -hmm. You have them as masters of ambush. During the deployment, instead of setting up this unit on the battlefield, you can place it to one side and say that it is set up an ambush as a reserve unit. If you do so, when you would set up a friendly Frost Sabers unit during the deployment, you can say that it will join this unit in ambush or reserve unit. One unit can join this unit in this way. At the end of your movement phase, you can set up this unit on the battlefield more than nine inches from all enemy units. Mm -hmm. Then if a friendly Frost Sabers unit was joined, this unit in reserve, set that unit up on the battlefield wholly within 12 of this unit, more than 9 from all enemy units, any reserve units in ambush that are not set up on the battlefield before the start of the fourth battle round are destroyed. Poof. Yep. And he has got a command ability, lead the skull. You can use this command ability at the start of your charge phase. The command can only be issued by this unit and can only be received by a friendly Frost Sabers unit. Till the end of that phase, when you attempt a charge move with that unit, you can change one of the dice in that charge roll to a 4. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Let's talk about traits, artifacts, mount traits, prayers. Feel like they need that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The mount traits are, quite frankly, ridiculous. Yes. Combined with what you already have on War Scrolls, they are pretty nuts. Agreed. Pretty nuts. So where do you want to start? So we'll do traits. Yep. The one I really like is Touched by the Everwinter. Mm -hmm. Uh, This general has the priest keyword. If this general is already a priest, they know all the prayers from the Everwinter prayers, prayer scripture, in addition to any other prayers that they know. Absolutely. I really like giving this to a Frost Lord on Stonehorn and giving him just the ability to heal himself. Makes sense. Yeah, that's the one I pick. Okay. Yep, absolutely. Artifacts, Dan. I don't know. These... I'm not too high on think any of suck. these. I think these are so, awful. So since we're picking one, I think the least bad is the seat of Alvagar. So this is a Stonehorn hero or Thundertusk hero only. Once per battle, which I don't like. But again, these are all kind of junk. In the charge phase, you can carry out a second monstrous rampage with the bear. The second monstrous rampage cannot be a monstrous rampage you have already carried out in that phase. Hey, given what we have and you add that to another monstrous rampage, that's not terrible. Yeah, the fact is once per one. battle really doesn't yeah. do it for me. Yep. I'll take Carvalox flank. Friendly Icefall Yetis, wholly within 12 inches of the bear at the start of the movement phase, can move an extra 2 inches when they make a normal move during mm-hmm. that phase. Okay. It's neat. And now we have prayers, right? We do have prayers. What are you thinking for this one? Keening Gale has a answer value of 3 and a range of 18. If answered, pick one friendly monster or Mornfane pack unit wholly within range. Invisible the caster at three inches of that unit's move characteristic. Until it just seems to me like phase. a no-brainer, given what monster trucks do. So you'd be getting plus three from this. You'd be getting plus two because you're hungry. You're plus five to a movement 12 stone horn. <laughs> it's nuts. Seems good. Yeah. 
Seems, seventeen seems inch with the potential for a three D six charge, depending on yeah. If you're taking yeah, crack, yeah, you're oh, sure. crack, it's insane. Same one. Same thing I, for again. You? It's, okay. it's just a no brainer. I mean, why would you not take that? Mount so, traits. Mount traits. Yes, yes, yes. So we have Stonehorn and Thundertusk mount traits mm-hmm. for the Stonehorn. I'm picking Rockmane Elder. Yep. Which is subtract one from wound rolls for attacks that target this unit. Why not? It's so already going to be beasty enough to get rid of. That's ranged and melee. Yeah. It's really good. Thank you. <laughs> it's like, yeah, hello. Yeah, how about you for the Thunder Tusk? The standout is the Rhyme Frost Hide. Yeah. Ward yeah. of a five up. You know, you could literally have an entire Beast uh, Raider Beast Claw Raider army that almost every unit has a five up ward. Mm-hmm. That's just nuts, man. It's so good. Monster trucks doing monster truck stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Ouch, ouch, ouch. We talk about the Maw Tribes. Yes. And Dan, Boulderhead, add two to like, the wounds <laughs> characteristics of friendly Boulderhead Stonehorn and Boulderhead Thundertusk units. Those are 17 wound heroes or 16 wound Huskards. And then, you know, when we get to, you know, the Riders, they get plus two wounds as well. Uh, in addition, you can pick up to three Stonehorn heroes or Thundertusk heroes in your army to have mount traits <laughs> instead of one. Okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> It's good. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's so it's good. really objectively good. It is so good. And then we have Thunderbellies. Friendly Thunderbellies. Mornfang pa- packs, if you lean into that, can run and charge later in the turn. Yeah. I find this interesting. Pairing that with Keening Gale. Pairing that with Being Hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk about the Mornfang War Scroll in a little bit. They went up in points, but I think they got a nice little upgrade in terms of the way that they work. Sure. Uh, but last up is the Winterbite Maw Tribe. You subtract one for hit rolls for attacks made with missile weapons that target friendly Winterbite units wholly within your territory. Not bad. In addition, friendly Winterbite, Frost Sabers, Icebrow Hunters, and Yetis are not visible to enemy units more than 12 inches away. Okay. Yeah. If the game evolves in such a place, being minus one to hit on your Stonehorns is interesting. The nice thing with it is it's not restricted to being Beast Claw Raiders. You could be Winterbite Gluttons. Mm-hmm. That, I think, is an interesting door that is potentially opened with that. Talk about just the regular War Scrolls, then. Yeah. So um, we have the Beast Riders on a Stonehorn first. Yep. Movement 12 down to 6. 4-up save. Bravery 7. 14 wounds. Harpoon. Chain Trap. The same. Punches and kicks. It's 6 attacks. 4s and 4s. But the Horns and the Hooves are the same. The Earth Shattering Charge is the same. The Stone Skeleton is the same. You do have to pick, though, in terms of your overall options. You either pick the Harpoon Launcher, Chain Trap, or Blood Vulture, which seems odd to me since, you know, there are two guys on there and they can have whatever, but that's right. yeah. that's its own thing. They're the same. Like, yeah. the difference is, right, they're 14 wounds and their punches and kicks are slightly different. And then when you do the look across the Beast Riders, they're the same. On the Thunder but Tusk. But just on yeah. a Thunder Tusk. Yep, exactly. And all of this is the same. Mm-hmm. Yep, except for... As you said, punches and kicks is a little different. Yep. And that's it. Same stuff, man. So, Dan, tell me about Frost Sabers. Oh, they're so awesome. They're nine-inch move, three wounds, six-up save, five bravery, and there's two of them in a unit yeah. if you want to spend the money. Oh, they have 
One inch range, three attacks, four by threes, minus one, one damage. The unit is not visible to enemy units while it's in cover. And then do not take battle shock tests for this unit if it's wholly within 12 inches of a friendly ice brow hunter. One of the fun workarounds that I really like in this book is the Stonehorn Beast Rider and Thundertusk Beast Rider are battle line if the general is a Beast Claw Raider's keyworded unit. Mm. Okay. Frost Sabers are also battle line if the general is an ice brow hunter. So what you can do is you can make the ice brow hunter your general who has the Beast Claw Raider keyword mm. to take one unit of Frost Sabers to get your min min you know battle line oh yeah or you could take three units of them get your 240 but i'd rather try and work the point in such a way where you're taking even more monster trucks and things like sure. that. sure you're going to be taking less of the hero version but you're going to be taking lots and lots and lots of the riders in those cases mm-hmm. it's kind of a weird niche thing but it's something you can do how about that mourn fang pack man yeah so the mourn fang pack battle line if your general's beast claw raiders mm-hmm Nine inch move, four up save, bravery seven, six wounds. You do have to pick between the Culling Club and Prey Hackers with Iron Fists or the Gargant Hackers. Your unit champion has a pistol, 12 inch range, one attack, fours by threes, run one damage D3. Fine. The Culling Clubs and Hackers are two inch range, three attacks, threes by threes, run one damage two. The Gargant Hackers are two inch range, two attacks, fours by threes, run two damage three. And the Tusks are one inch range, four attacks, fours by threes, run one damage two. The Champion also gets plus one to their attacks characteristic. One and four can be a Banner Bearer. They get plus one to Bravery. One and four can be a Horn Blower. If you do, you add one to Charge Rolls. They're line breakers, so you subtract one from wound rolls for attacks made with missile weapons that target this unit. Mm-hmm. In addition, if this unit is targeted by attacks made by an enemy unit that received the Unleash Hell command in that phase, those attacks only wound on an unmodified wound roll of a six. Pretty sweet. Yeah. If they have an Iron Fist, if you make a save roll of a six, it's a mortal wound back to your opponent. Mm-hmm. You know, movement nine when they're hungry, movement 11 if you get Keenan Gale off, movement 14, you can, in the one maw tribe give them run and charge i really like it as a pin your opponent in piece uh, because Mm. it's six wounds a piece they're tougher to get through than most people would like sure and the last unit dan is the yetis are the yetis a nine inch move four wounds six up save six bravery they have an aura of frost and that gives them a six up ward bounding leaps this unit is eligible to fight in the combat phase if it is within six inches of an enemy unit instead of three and it can move an extra three when it piles in and finally invigorated by the blizzard this unit can run and still charge later in the turn as long as it's wholly within 15 inches of a friendly thunder tusk when it attempts to charge yeah it's attacks two inch range three attacks four by threes minus one two damage okay 120 points battle line if your general is a thunder tusk they're fine Mm -hmm. the pile in from six inches away is always a big deal they hit medium hard they're not keyword ogres so they don't benefit from eating and hungry which is important to to keep in mind okay so we do have two more war scrolls to talk about yeah one of them is just very unique which is why we saved him for the end great and impossible outlier that is the fire belly (laughs) yeah and why this model has not been removed from the range is truly beyond me it is bizarre ties into literally nothing else nope six inch move five up save bravery six seven wounds 
has fire breath, 8-inch range. The damage below is attacks characteristic equals the number of models in the target unit to a maximum of 10. Okay. 2s by 3s, no rem damage 1. Neat. He's got a hammer, 2-inch range, 2 attacks, 3s by 3s, rem 1, damage D3. 1 cast, 1 unbind wizard. His base spell is the cascading fire cloak. Has a casting value of 5 and range of 3 inches. If successfully cast, roll a dice for each enemy unit within range. and a 4-up, that enemy unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. In addition, if the spell is successfully cast, the student has a ward save of 5-up until the start of your next hero phase. Mm. He's 130 points. And then they took all of the time... To give him a lore. To give him three lore <laughs> spells. And it's a unit that doesn't belong in this book. And mm-hmm. we, we spent time on writing three lore spells. And Dan, would you take any of these? No. Okay. Kind of well, it's kind of like one of the other things we talked about that aren't worth much. But the only one that I can see has any value at all is the fiery whirlwind. Yeah. Which is a spell that has a casting value of six, range of twelve. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit and roll a dice for each model in that unit within range of visible the caster. If the unit has only one model, roll three dice on a four up, mortal wounds. So it's models within range. Mm-hmm. So it's not just, oh, I tag that unit. You still have to set this up in a way where you're close enough. Let's say you're up against the favorite, right? A unit of 60 gets or 60 clan rats or 60 zombies. You know, mm-hmm. the, the big scary unit. You still have to be within 12 inches of all of them to roll these dice. Yes. For one spell? I don't know. It seems ridiculous. I'm sure there's somebody out there who really loves their fire belly, and I've made them very upset. And to you, I'm very sorry. I wish they would do something. It's a cool aesthetic. It's really unique. But do the Night Haunt thing and give it some unit that, like, it should coexist with. Right. Last War Scroll, Dan, the Maw Pot, the piece of terrain. It's good. It's very good. Yes. Why don't you tell us about it, Brendan? Set it up wholly within your territory, three inches from everything. It is impassable. You add one to casting, dispelling, and unbinding rolls for friendly ogre wizards within one inch of this terrain feature. You have Battle Broth. A great maw pot is either full or empty, as you would expect. At the start of the battle, it is full. In your hero phase, one friendly ogre hero within six inches of a full great maw pot can spend all of the maw pot's magic. If they do so, you can heal D3 wounds allocated to each friendly ogre unit wholly within 36 inches of the great maw pot. Once all of the great maw pot's magic has been spent, it is empty. This does not impact your ability to plus one cast a spell or unbind. Yes. You can fill up the maw pot. If an enemy model is slain within six inches of an empty maw pot in your army, it becomes full. Of course it does. So that's pretty good. Yeah. It's a solid piece of terrain. The range and the effect is very respectable. I mean, it's the board, essentially. you got to have a hero nearby to get it to trigger. But sure. this is especially effective in a Gutbusters-style army. You can still use it in a Beach Claw Raider army, but you have to have a hero nearby to trigger it to go, which can be tough to set up sometimes. Sure. I know from personal experience. So, Dan, strategies, battle tactics, and battalions, where do you want to start? Let's start with strats. Okay. I don't super love a lot of this. So the first up, ready for plunder. When the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy if there are more friendly units wholly within enemy territory than enemy units. That's one of the ones I like, mm-hmm. especially if you're playing monster trucks, yep. because your goal is to kill all of the units. The next one is Saga the Monster Hunter. You should love this one. When yeah. the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy if an enemy monster was destroyed by wounds caused by an attack made by the model picked to be your general, <coughs> Frostlord on... Stonehorn. Yeah. And the model picked to be your general has not been slain. That's the tough part to me. You do get more wounds than you would have ever gotten, but Mm -hmm. 
typically when you're putting your army in harm's way... Things are going to die. Models are going to get pulled. The thing I really don't like about this is it's dependent on your opponent's army having a monster. And if I'm Mm -hmm. playing you, for instance, Dan, with your Night Haunt, I fail it automatically. Yes. If you picked it, you fail it, right? Yep. On the Maw Path, when the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy. If you completed four or more battle tactics, and each of those battle tactics was from the glory of the Gulping God table below. Mm, Okay. You know, we'll talk about those in just a minute. Enough grub for all. When the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy. If a great maw pot in your army is full, and you spent all of that great maw pot's magic at least once during the battle, that certainly seems doable. It's doable. I also don't like it because it's dependent on. It's dependent on you killing something within six inches of it after you. That's spent the it, trick. And that's your opponent trick. like didn't knock it over mm-hmm. or whatever. No, thank you. Yep. Ready for plunder is the one I would pick of these if we're taking, but. Well, it's the one that's most under your control. Exactly. That's the issue. And when you're talking about competitive play, the thing that's most important is reduction of variance. Bring as much into a reliable state as physically possible. Talking about battle tactics. Glory to the gulping god. Yeah. Eat your fill. You complete this tactic at the start of the combat phase if every friendly ogre unit is eating. Cool. I like that one. Mm. Because it's at the start of the combat phase, you basically just have to have your whole army in range. Okay, engage. Within three of an enemy unit. Right. Okay. Savor the taste. You cannot pick this battle tactic if it's the first battle round. You complete this tactic at the end of your turn if every friendly ogre unit is hungry. Fully within your control. Yep. Like that one. Mm -hmm. It's not always what you want to be doing, but when in doubt, you could just literally retreat everything outside of combat and you're good to go okay avalanche of flesh you complete this tactic at the end of this turn if 10 or more mortal wounds were caused by the trampling charge battle trait this turn that one's tougher than it looks yep i promise you that winner take thee pick one enemy hero or enemy monster you complete this tactic if that enemy unit is destroyed by wounds caused by the grasp of the everwind battle trait that seems oh my like- god it's <laughs> so difficult yeah I don't know why that's in here. Honestly, Brendan. The only way I can see this is... They're on one wound. Right. battle round five. Right. The conditions for this to be met, the percentage is so low. Yeah. Yeah. Let them loose. You complete this battle tactic at the end of your turn. If you carried out four or more monstrous rampages this turn, you have to be built for it. Right. Right. Totally fine. And you got some ways that you can do more than one mm -hmm. monstrous rampage. It's certainly doable. But but you have to be built for it. Right. Boiler bones. Pick one enemy hero or enemy monster. You complete this tactic. So if that enemy unit is destroyed within six inches of an empty great maw pot in your army. Again, that's so tough. Because you're depending on your enemy getting close enough. Okay. So going back to the strategy then, on the Maw Path, you have to complete at least four of them, and they have to be from the Gulping God table below. I'd tell you that there's really only four that you maybe even feel okay about, and mm-hmm. you have to be built for one of them. Yeah, that's a tough one. One's a piece of cake. Right. But you got to get four. Right. Tough call. Battalions. One of the things I find interesting is, like, there's no unified thing here. There's no, nothing no to give unified. you unified, which, I don't know. Battle Regiment it is. Yeah. Yorobad. An optional Frostlord, mandatory Huskard on Stonehorn, mandatory Stonehorn Beast Rider, two optional Stonehorn Beast Rider, mandatory two Mornfang, optional two Mornfang, and you gain Swift. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hooray. Yeah, hooray. Yorobad, optional Frostlord, mandatory Huskard on Stonehorn, mandatory Stonehorn it's Beast Rider. It's essentially the other it, one. It right? is exactly the same. Except... You, you get, get Slayers. You get Slayers. Yep. And then the Torbod. How about that one? Yeah. Optional Frostlord. Mandatory Huskard on Fro- uh, Thundertusk. 
mandatory Thunder Tusk Beast Rider to optional Thunder Tusk Beast Rider and optional three Yetis. Ooh, but, but what do you get for that? For Torbat, we get Expert. Yeah. Yeah, free all-out attacker, all-out defense. I mean, there's no way to get Magnificent here no, either. No. That's what's crazy. Junk Mob, mandatory Noblar, optional two Noblar, mandatory Scrap Launcher, optional Scrap Launcher, and you get Slayers. Uh, no. Yep. Moving on, man. So that's uh, the book, Dan. Yeah, very cool. I guess... I have a question for you as I'm discussing my thoughts is that, you know, we've talked a lot about many books and the next one we're going to discuss, Slaves of Darkness, have a lot of ways to play a lot of units in the book. There's a lot of more units that are viable in 3.0 is what we're seeing at least in general across the board. But I think you have to make a choice here whether you're going to play gut busters or maw tribes because you want to maximize the tribe that you pick and if you don't pick one or the other you're not getting the full efficiency out of whatever tribe you do pick yep so i think playing a mixed army is more challenging and not that it's not possible but i think it's much more difficult to be competitive and to be more efficient in terms of overall play if you don't choose one side or the other. Yeah, I'm really glad you pointed that out. There are, in my mind, two sub-factions that allow for mixed arms specifically. Mm-hmm. The one being Blood Gullet, which makes all of your butchers super butchery, mm-hmm. and the other one being Winter Bite. Those, in my mind, allow you to play just really whatever you want, mm-hmm. right? Blood Gullet, you're obviously going to take some butchers, and you know the butchers do have some good spells, one of yeah. which is plus one damage for your mount. Mm-hmm. Might be overkill, but you know that's... <laughs> pretty gnarly but if you've got a list where you only have you know one stonehorn or one thunder tusk maximizing the damage opportunity on a model like that is a big deal you could do something like that and you're not going to invest a ton into too much beast claw raider stuff or or too much you know glutton stuff because quite frankly on the gutbuster side gluttons are probably a little too expensive they're 265 for six Mm. that's a lot Okay. It's 270 for Iron, iron guts. guts. Or, you know, hear me out. You could have those units. Yeah. Or you could have a Stonehorn Beast Rider for 310 points. Yeah. Sign me up. Yeah. Now, granted, it's 24 wounds versus 14, 16 right. if you're playing Boulderhead. Right. But the reliability of your Stonehorn Beast Riders with a 5-up ward is increasing mm-hmm. your durability by another... 33%, which is effectively going to put you on the same wounds characteristic at a better save. You know, you're a four up versus a five up. You have more damage that you're potentially doing. Your impact hits are better. It's really tough still in my mind to lean gut busters. Mm-hmm. But if they see a small points decrease, I think the difference between them becomes much more competitive. Mm. I think from the competitive side, you're going to start by seeing, and we've already started seeing it, is Iron Blaster Parade Forever. Mm-hmm. This is going to lead to a response in the gaming environment of things that are either going to try and shut down shooting or ignore what makes those good, which is the rend. I think it will lead to a rise in night haunt. It will lead to things that turn off your shooting, things that can make life difficult, be able to throw things in, tie stuff up. This ties into your comment, the last episode of the arms race of rending mm-hmm. is what this is. Yeah, yep. it's a response to that. The FAQ that we saw, right, which works with the Metrica, where it turns rend blank into whatever and then increases the rend by one. Even against the Metrica, these end up being rend one 
weapons, which is good. You're going to look for counters to that first, then that is going to drive kind of a cyclical change to potentially winter bite, where mm. you're going to see things shut down shooting, yes. reduce that, reduce your hit rolls by one pretty good it'll go back to beast call raiders hopefully by then the points have come down and then it swings back to gut busters mm-hmm. proper there's probably a very fun mixed arms forces in here that's going to get you about three wins mm-hmm. but i think your competitive starting point is going to be iron blasters and also monster trucks right and i think that it's one of the things that i always am a little disappointed when you know, this is me, the guy who likes to look at a book and then come up with some silly list. Mm-hmm. You know, just something that is fun. You know, like, again, I think of the guy who took all the lead belchers. And it was cool when I saw his army on the table. And I wish that you can do that here. I'm not saying you can't. Mm-hmm. But you're driven if you want to win a certain amount towards certain units. You know, there's not that plethora of choice that we've seen in a couple of books where you can still be pretty competitive and there's a mix of units that you can pick to do that same thing. So, because you're being driven towards Stonehorns and Frostlords, you're being driven towards Iron Blasters. You know, those things really pop out just so much more incrementally than the other choices in the book. So Iron Blasters need to go up in points, realistically. I do think, and take it for the bias that it is, that the Stonehorns and the Thunder Tusks live probably right at about the points where they need to be. Mm-hmm. I think if you go much more, there's not going to be a huge incentive to take them. I do think the Gutbuster side, right out the gate, needs to see some points come down. Yeah. Because, quite frankly, there's really not bad War Scrolls in this. Nobars are good. Scrap Launcher, if it comes down, point truly is a viable unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially if the Iron Blaster goes up by comparison. Gluttons are good. Iron Guts are good. I think Mornfang are good. Mm-hmm. I like Yetis for where they are for the points. Sure. Saber Tusks are fine where they are. You could argue maybe they go down to 60, but you know we'd see what those lists look like. Really, there's two War Scrolls in this book that I think aren't worth a minute of your time, and it's Maneaters and... Firebelly. Firebelly, yeah. And even then, you could sit there and justify to me the value of a Firebelly by having a Butcher who tosses down a spell portal Mm. somewhere, and then the Firebelly is the beneficiary of it, and then you toss the tactical nuke somewhere else, and and you try and melt them that way. Yeah, I can create a role for it, but it's dependent on, you know, meta choices and things to happen. The War Scrolls are good, it's just to me the points aren't where they need to be. To be able to walk away with what we've had a lot of the last 3.0 books, which is just, wow, look at all the choices you have. You and I feel very similarly of, wow, slightly more choice than before. (laughs) Yeah, right. I agree. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Yeah, that's the Moth Tribes book. Yep. Next book is Slaves of Darkness. and Ed is going to be a ride, and that's going to be a long ride. You're going to get your money's worth. Going to get a comfy chair, you know, get some pillows, bring snacks. That is a book with a lot of war scrolls and an incredible amount of nuance. Sure, and we'll try to break all that down for you. All right, we are done with Emperor Lies, and we're moving on to Scriptorium. Etc., etc., etc. New releases, there is not a whole lot of stuff, Brendan. We've got Sanguinius with his own Primarch novel now, which is awesome. If you love the angel, you're going to sure get this book or listen to it and read it. I'm looking forward to it because of what happened in the last Siege book. Yep. He has come back into my kind of my sights, so I want to see that. And then the Soul Drinkers, who we talked about last time, have their second omnibus, so this will cover all of their novels. So if you enjoy the Soul Drinkers, I, again, with this, would recommend you read the first or listen to the first book. And if you like that, 
then dive in because the books are really good. Once you're into that chapter, you're in. Yeah, you're locked in. And you love their tragic story. It's really, really cool. That is a chapter that I'm surprised Forge World never did, Mm. like, the character models for. Yeah. Very surprised. Very, very cool. So that's it for new releases. Other than that... I finished Kurs. Nice. I'm about a third of the way through Zero Fail. Okay, yep. I started watching Pepsi Wears My Jet. Yes. Which is a Netflix four-part documentary about a guy who... First off, the real issue seems to be Pepsi should have just included a disclaimer on the advertising and all of this would have been avoided. They did not. So this individual set out on trying to win a Harrier Jet. Yes. That was just insane when I saw that. It was like, man. I think it's wild, apparently. <laughs> yeah. like, you guys are nuts. <laughs> so I started watching that. Yeah. It, you know, the Totalis Rankium guys have picked up very recently and gotten back to their schedule. Yeah. They took a sabbatical for a hot minute. It sounds like one of the hosts had some life stuff yeah. going on. Yeah, it was too. Which I can be appreciative of. They finished the Kennedy series. They did Nixon. They actually made Nixon a three-part series mm. because they had not just his pre-presidency, his presidency, and then also everything Watergate oh. was like warranted its own explanation because not a shot at your age here, Dan. You would remember the way the country fundamentally changed. As oh, it's a ripple effect. A yeah. huge ripple effect. Yeah, yeah, like forgetting the things that occurred in the Nixon administration, physically that event created a new distrust within the American people of so many things within politics. Absolutely. Agreed. And you know, it's why we call everything gate today. But to me, the part of it that I didn't know a, a pre-version of it, but it's where our distrust of what the quote-unquote facts are and what the intentions of any given politician are stems from Watergate and the aftermath and everything we found out as a part of it. I almost think that sometimes when people try to attach that suffix to a word... It doesn't give it justice. No, they absolutely minimize the sea change that that produced in culture in America and American politics. There's nothing that compares to it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's cool that you... Yeah, Got so, so they did a whole episode on that, and yeah. in their research, they recommended a couple of books, and, you know, maybe I'll add that to it, because you know me. I love the blow-by-blow blow on things like that sometimes. Sure. Very cool. Calgar's Fury book, I'm about halfway through. It's been really, really interesting, because, you know, it seemed like it was just going to be Ultramarines dumping a company of marines onto this hulk and they were going to see what was on the hulk all of a sudden there's an entire company of marines fighting adeptus mechanicus that have come and these are like murder servitors thousands of them that are pouring out of this and you're going hello what wait a minute mechanicus are the same side and then you're hearing some of these people talk about well i'm getting their feeling that there's this chaos stuff but not on that it's just all kinds of pieces and parts so it's really fascinating how complex this story is without being complex at the first part of it it just seems so simple so i'm enjoying that i just finished courage and honor which is i believe the fifth uriel ventress book and if you like tau you need to read this book or listen to it it is really, really good. I mean, you just get absolutely... Just all about it. Dive into what it's like when the Tau go to war. You know what it is when Space Marines go to war or Imperial Guard. Yeah. But this really rocks it in. And once you hit a certain point in the book, it is nonstop action. And it's very, very... Uh, the other thing is I started watching Wednesday. 
the series on Netflix about Wednesday Adams. And interestingly enough, I turned it on as Cindy's sitting over on the couch in the in the living room here. And I turned it on, and by the end of the show, she's like, "That was pretty good." I've heard good things <laughs> about it. She's watching it with me. It, the thing is, if you are an Adams Family fan, you will certainly enjoy it. The thing that's different about it is usually with the Adams Family, they are just this weird group of people in a world of normal people. Yeah. And so they're always the exceptions. They've kind of turned that on its head here because she ends up going to a school of other totally abnormal people, you know, whatever that means. And so it's really an interesting change, but you still get the darkness that she brings. The writing is so good. There are a couple of actors that you'll recognize. The really tall woman who played Brienne in Game of Thrones, Mm -hmm. she is the headmistress for the school and so you see the first time you see her like you kind of recognize her because she's got a lot of makeup on but then when she stands up and she's like seven foot tall because she's so tall you know in real life you're going oh that's her that's Brienne it's pretty good and it's really a murder mystery so if you enjoy that kind of a story you would probably enjoy it understanding who Wednesday is you know as a character so very cool the last thing I just was able to watch because I wasn't it's on epics which is weird but there's a series now called SAS Rogue Heroes and is the origin story of the SAS, the British SAS. Oh, that's neat. And the Long Range Desert Patrol and, you know, all the parts and pieces that went into creating this organization. And what's really cool about it, it is very historically accurate. And you know it is because what happens is there's a character that's on the screen. And all of a sudden, it'll freeze the frame. It'll go black and white. And it'll actually put the person's real name and the unit they were with during the World War II. So you know that person was part of this unit. Very fascinating. Really well done. The writing is just excellent. The acting is excellent. You can't binge it because they're only letting uh, an episode out every week. So you got to wait the whole week before you can watch the next one. I don't know what I prefer in that sense of it all coming out at once and you being Mm. able to just watch it all or or stepping. I'm enjoying having to wait a little bit because of that anticipation, having enjoyed the first two episodes so much. But I would definitely recommend it. And anybody who's out there listening that's a vet or this had a boss that's just a real pain in the butt, you will really empathize with these guys and you'll understand why this unit was created because interestingly enough the three real founders one was scottish one was welsh and one was irish no british Mm. and you'll understand why at the very quickly as the show is undergoing. So very, very cool. SAS Rogue Heroes, and it's on Epics. You can, if you've got Prime, you can watch the first episode for free, and then you got to sign up. It's like two bucks a month or something to be able to watch it. So that's it for me. Okay. Let us move on, my friend. Brendan? All right. Choice? I'll start. Okay. We'll do three from the show, one okay. random, one sport. Awesome. Okay? Oh, sport. One sport. At least one of us is doing sports questions. Okay. Yeah. I know last episode we didn't include one. People were probably shocked. Very, very unsettling. So, Dan, what <laughs> Ma tribe would you build an ogre list around? Boulderhead. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just... You've seen me use it and you just go, that's fun. Well, it it is so... I'm not going to say it's simple because there are a lot of moving parts. I get that. But it's so cool. And I'm... You know, I'm always down with a cavalry list of whatever kind it is. I might throw a couple of Mornfang units in there to make it more fun for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, I think it's kind of a a go-to thing if you're going to play them. 
Yep. BCR, Beast Claw Raiders, mm-hmm. or if I give you 15 to 20% points reduction on the Glutton side. See, I would rather play Gluttons. Just because I love... I guess they're gut busters, sorry. That's the, yeah, gut yeah. busters, right. But I would rather, you know, just have units of like 10 gluttons and 10 iron guts, just multiple units of them coming across the board at somebody going, oh God, I hope they don't hit. I hope they don't hit. Because <laughs> once they do, it will just be pain. And I just think it would look so cool. It would look like an ogre army having so many of those guys go across. So for me, I would prefer to play that. Dan, if you were an ogre tyrant, what would your big name be? And it doesn't have to be one of the ones that's on the war scroll. <laughs> Sneaky git, probably. Sneaky git. Yeah. Wow. Because I... Yeah, I think my background in terms of intelligence and the other things I've done, you know, I always like to come up with something unexpected. So I think that would be kind of fun to have some kind of a trait that would allow you to do something like, you know, deep strike him or do something fun like that with him. Okay. Yeah, I think that would be it. Yeah, that's a fun question. Dan, what kind of jet would you want to win from Pepsi? (laughs) And that the people are going to have to look this up, I'm sure. But... I think it'd be I think it'd be an F4 Phantom. Okay. Because I grew up going to air shows and originally the Blue Angels flew A4s, you know, the aircraft. They were still pretty loud when they flew by, but my father having been in Vietnam when the F4s started coming into service and he warned me when we went to our first F4 Blue Angels, cover your ears. And the first time they went by, like the ground shook. Literally, and even with my ears covered, I was like, oh my God. And just the stories about F-4 pilots and what they did and just the aircraft itself has such a really cool look for that age. I really, really like Phantoms. Yeah. Cool. Nothing modern. Okay. Well, my last question. This is normally where I would ask you, you know, who the final four for the college football player, because all we have left outside of the Army-Navy game is the conference championships. Yes. Well, my Purdue Boilermakers managed to find a way into the Big Ten championship game for the first time in school history. Sure. The first time they've ever won the West Division in football, Mm -hmm. ever. The last time they won the Big Ten was in 2000 with Drew Brees. That's a generation ago. It's a long time ago. It's a generation. Uh, Drew Brees has played a full NFL career, retired, been a broadcaster, and then left broadcasting. Um, Okay. So, big deal. Mm-hmm. What is the score of that game going to be? They're playing Michigan, by yeah. the way. They're playing what will be probably yeah. number two Michigan. They could be number one Michigan. I could see them leapfrogging Georgia. 45 to 21. Okay. Basically, you're going to give it the score of what the Michigan-Ohio State game was. Yes. Okay. Yeah, 45 to 21. I can see them scoring three touchdowns, but they're going to score early. And then they're gonna just going to be done. Yeah, okay. they're going to be spent. <laughs> yeah, cool. My first question is... Gutbusters are Maw Tribes. Or Beast Claw, you uh, mean. Right, Beast Claw, right. Mm -hmm. Let's assume, Brendan, that you have never played Ogre Maw Tribes and you have no models. Mm -hmm. Because it's hard for you to do it objectively because you're very much invested in Beast Claw Raiders. But what do you think you would pick? With the adjustment you talked about, Mm -hmm. points come down a little bit. If I get the points to come down in that way, I would start with collecting on the Gutbuster side. Okay. The Vanguard box that comes with it is really solid value. You get the things that you like, you get the things that you want. It leans into a semi-competitive build. You know, you get an Iron Blaster in there, um, you get a Tyrant, you get some You get guys. the Tyrant, okay. If I was starting from zero and the points came down in that way, that's where I would start. Okay, cool. Gluttons or Iron Guts? Ooh. 
Iron Guts. Better save, better damage, higher level of reliability on them. Iron Guts. Yeah, they're scary. I mean, when I looked at that profile going, whoa. Yeah, you come away with <laughs> really fewer wounds, nice. but... Good stuff. Okay, so we're going to compare faction terrain. Okay. Mawpot or Skull Altar from Corn. Ooh, the Skull Altar's real good. Yeah, that's why I wanted to... I would probably do the Skull Altar. The benefits to priests is... Pretty is, powerful. ...is very difficult to ignore. The bonus casting here is nice, but, like, you have to have included the characters for that. There's a whole, basically, half of the way that you build an ogre army that wouldn't include any benefit to it. There are ways to build Cornless without your priests, but, like, they do so much... Like, that... The temple does so much more than just that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. so skull altar it is. All right. Alcohol question here. Okay. So single malt mm-hmm. or bourbon? Bourbon. Okay. I really don't like scotch. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. And then this actually, the next one is three choices. Wow, okay. You either... I don't know, Dan. That seems so much, you know, <laughs> asking the guy who asks open-ended questions all the time. <laughs> right. Really unfamiliar with the concept of this or It's that. not fair. It really isn't. <laughs> sure. Dine-in, carry-out, which is where you call ahead and mm-hmm. get the food, or drive through I've not been much of a dine-in guy, but I'm mm-hmm. sure it has most to do with a long time spent being very single. Yes. I am most likely to do drive through Okay. Yeah, that's it. That's my five, bud. All right. So we're moving on to show close. There is something going on around here. Something you may not even know about. So despite it being the normal time where there'd be something on the website, there's not. Okay, so there's no Sunday announcements right now. All right, cool. Do you have any Q&A? I do. I have felt bad for not having anything <laughs> for a while, so I sent text to the group chat of, but we got any questions. <laughs> Dave B. asks, how is Dan getting around the two armies protocol in his house? He seems to be <laughs> oh, at least... So- he seems to be at least one army over the limit. <laughs> so we are... <laughs> Dan. This is a great question. Actually, Cindy and I have had this conversation, and it's like, I'm going to be selling my Soulblight army. So okay. that takes that off the board. Yep, so I got right. my Night Haunt always. Sylvaneth is being built, painted as we talk. It's been built now. Okay. And you also have your White Scars. Okay. That doesn't count so, against the no, army No, 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 it does not. Because okay. that army, heresy is way up in the air in this house right now. Okay. I built and primed all the models I need, but they are in a box. And I don't know when or if Heresy's going to be played. So that takes that off the table in terms of considering an army. So right now, I really only have Sylvaneth and Nighthaunt to really get to straight to it. I've, of course, brought up the Lend-Lease concept (laughs) with my lovely wife. And she was like, well, that's obviously just a bunch of... (laughs) It's a bunch of garbage. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I tried that. So I hope that answers your question, Dave. So I have two right now armies that I would actively play on the table. My ghosts and my trees are in process. There we go. Okay. Episode 112, Slaves to Darkness Battle Do you have any questions, Dan? Oh, do I have any questions? Yeah, Yeah, I have one. The question is from Corey, and Corey asked me, how many tree revs would you like to take in an army? I'm a big <laughs> proponent of two. Yep. I think two units of five is a good space. Mm-hmm. Putting them in expert conquerors is really good. Yes. Because they come out to, you know, at that point, 15 models, right? Yep. That is going to outnumber most things that people are going to leave behind on an objective. Mm-hmm. They do more damage than most things people are going to leave behind on an objective as well. Mm-hmm. So your opportunity to go steal some is pretty good. Slaves to Darkness Battle Tome. There is so much here, Brendan. Buckle up. Man, we have both at least taken some looks at the book and it. It is I've played just, a game. 
just so much going on here. We've said that a couple times, but not like this. This is just way above. It, it doesn't mean that it's not playable. Or you're not able to figure it out, but there are just so many options. And this is the answer to what we've talked about before, where you have a fixed number of choices. There's so, so many ways. And that's really refreshing. The Warcry War bands are good. Oh, yeah, um, solid. The the marks are good. The spells are good. The like the heroes are good. Like it's one of those things where you have to kind of decide what you want to do. There'll be kind of a sub faction that does that maybe a little better than the other mm-hmm. ones do. You'll measure it through there. I'm interested to spend more time with it because it may end up being one of those books that I recommend to beginners only in the perspective of you can spend a lot of time with this and you can evolve as a player by working through the different marks and the different sub factions mm-hmm. and, and those kinds of things. So. I'm real interested to spend more time with the book because my first pass at it was pretty encouraging. All right, then that's it. And we will be back in a couple weeks with this. Just a heads up, we are planning on taking a little longer break between episodes around Christmas holiday time, as we would expect most people are going to do, just to give us a little more time to watch football and spend time with folks and that kind of thing. So we'll be back, you know, after this next episode, probably early January, maybe even mid-January. We'll see as we get closer. We'll know next time what we're going to be doing so we'll let you know then otherwise brendan thanks as always for taking the time and helping run us through this book listeners as always thank you for coming along for the ride we appreciate your support and other than that we will see you all next episode take care stay safe and don't forget shenanigans because life is better when you're up to something Bye. this is the end.